it would be tell mm. tell someone yeah it's when you tell someone it opens up freedom for you and maybe they'll say oh i read about false memories like yours that's whatever but still tell tell someone tell a friend um tell someone yeah it's freeing i can guarantee well it definitely gives you more power in the story yes and freeing too but yeah that silence keeping it silence just leaves you yeah powerless yeah a crime was committed against you and it's okay to report a crime in theory yeah so go ahead and report it and see what happens yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen see what happens hi i'm biz kush a life coach and therapist and your host here on the awaken your wise woman podcast we're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hi, and welcome back to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. I'm Biz Kush, your host, and this is my podcast. And we've been on a little break, had one episode for the new year, and then I got tied up and engaged in packing and moving and uh, helping to take care of my mom after she fell. So we've had a little hiatus and now we're back. I am settled in my new home and very excited about what's next. And today's episode, I'm excited to be talking to Lynn Crook. But before we get into her introduction, I just wanted to say thanks again for following the podcast, for listening, for your reviews and comments. It is so much appreciated and just glad that you're here. If you don't want to miss a single episode, you can sign up for the newsletter and they will get dropped right in your inbox when they land, maybe before anybody else gets to hear them. So you can sign up at elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up. And you spell my last name with a C, C-U-S-H. And today, as I said, we're talking to Lynn Crook about her book called false memories. I'm really excited to have her here on the podcast. We are talking about some difficult, possibly activating topics like abuse, sexual abuse, coming forward against your abuser. But we're also talking about healing and accountability and living authentically. So I hope you stick with this conversation and I'd love to hear how it resonated and landed with you. Here's a little bit more about Lynn. Lynn Crook is the author of False Memories, The Deception That Silenced Millions. In 1991, she sued her parents for damages after recovering memories of childhood sexual abuse by her father. 
Following a month-long trial in 1994, the judge ruled in her favor at a time when 85% of the popular press was telling us that adults' accusations of childhood sexual abuse are false, that they were false memories. She has presented at more than a dozen professional conferences in the U.S., Canada, Great Britain, and at the United Nations. She is the recipient of the Media Achievement Award from the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation. She hopes that her book will encourage the public to respond with compassion to adults who find the courage to disclose their childhood trauma. Let's jump into this conversation with Lynn. Hi, Lynn, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am happy to have you here too. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself and what has inspired you to do the work that you do. My first love was French, so I got a degree in French. And then my second love was cooking, which I learned about over in Germany. And I came back to the States and decided to teach. And then I was bored. I had nothing to do. So a friend invited me to join a local sexual assault agency. And I was a little bit leery because I was scared of people like that because I knew that they were kind of traumatic. I didn't really want to see them. There was something wrong with them. So I was, I had the degree, I had the graduate degree in therapy. So I started talking to them at the agency and I just really thought they were amazing. Mm. I thought everyone was very courageous and I was in awe of what they had accomplished. And then one day I realized that I too had been molested as a child. I just didn't want to think about it. And my father told told me how to forget it. I think people underestimate how much child molesters want to get their victims to forget about it. Yeah, or to stay quiet. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so I, what I did was, I thought it was wrong what my parents did. My father molested me. My mother essentially trafficked me because she did nothing to stop him. Mm-hmm. And I sued them. And that was in 1991, and the community was so supportive. Mm. And the case went to trial in 1994. It was corroborated, and the judge declared in my favor, and I went out into the community, and they were all saying, I heard about false memories like yours, Lynn. Time after time, people would say that, and finally, I just stopped talking. Yeah. But in my... During the trial, I came across some evidence that Elizabeth Loftus, who had testified for my parents, had not essentially, that mall study, her mall study had failed. And I couldn't believe it because no one else knew this. And I did some research, did some fact checking. And eventually, 10 years later, I wrote a book. Mm. And the book came out a year ago. And basically yeah. what I say is that there is no corroboration. I had corroboration for my memories, but there's essentially no corroboration for claims that memories like mine are false. Yeah. Well, and it's such a, I remember when that study came out and I remember being 
outrage. Just I too have a, a child abuse history from a family member and just, oh, just being so, thank you, being so, and as a therapist, like knowing the stories that my clients have shared to be true, that all of a sudden, instead of everybody being outraged about child abuse, they were outraged about people lying, saying they were making these up, that therapists were helping them make up these stories, which is just uh, very disturbing. Did you, did you ever figure out a reason why people were so easily convinced that memories like mine were false? I think people don't want to believe that, that there are are sort of normal people out there that are committing abuse, right? I mean, it feels more comfortable if I say it well, that everybody, they must be making it up because that can't be true. I mean, that's, that's I always think. been my interpretation. That's what I think too. It was something that people did not want to believe because people are so horrified by something that people do to children that yes. they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, and and it keeps it, separate from us, right? It keeps it at a distance. Well, if potentially that story can't be true, then I don't actually have to internalize what it would feel like if I know it was knew it was true. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think too. Because it's yeah. it can happen to a child and she can survive, but the adult is going to think it's so yucky that they don't want to know about it. It's a very odd situation, I think. I've always thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that you wrote your book because I feel like, again, it's not something we want to talk about. And I, at least in my sense, at least the Elizabeth Loftus study, it feels like there's more evidence that that's not valid or whatever. It wasn't handled in like that. We shouldn't believe that the false memory paradigm was real, but it's still out there. I feel like that message is still hanging out there. I think that so. there are false. People can still yeah. say that, yeah. Yeah. People can still say your memories are false. I think Mia Fontaine, I just read a quote by her. She said in the Atlantic, imagine what would happen if all the children who are being molested now, about 55,000, mm -hmm. and all the adults who were molested as children, about 40 million, all went public and demanded justice. Hmm. Imagine wow. what would happen. Our, I think our culture would fall apart. Hmm. Yeah. Because there's so many of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad, but true. Which means that there are a lot of predators out there and they know that they can get away with it. So they do it. Yeah. Well, there's so little retribution or. I also feel like there's so much internalized shame around abuse for kids. Yes. Like when you're a child that to come forward, to call out your abuser, especially when it's someone known to you, a family member, a respected family member, it's really hard to come forth and say like, this actually happened and this person should be held accountable. It is really hard. And no one wants to hear it. Yeah. And first they have to put what we say on trial and decide if it's if it's true or not, without any qualifications to make that decision. But the, I do it too. 
if I hear a famous person has been accused, I say to myself, is he the kind of person who would do something like that? I do mm. that. Yeah. And I usually come up with, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's easy to minimize what's being accused, you know, the the accuser when I think especially when that when a person holds up some sort of position of power or prominence. Yeah. Yeah, either a politician or a celebrity, yes. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Or a yeah. father or a doctor, like mine. Well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, or even within a family, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, what was your hope when writing the book? Who did you want to reach? I wanted to reach survivors. I wanted to tell them that it is possible to find justice. Mm-hmm. It's a tough road, but it's possible. And I'm really glad that I did it. Are you? I was uh, going to ask, yeah, how how it's been for you. It gave me self-confidence. It taught me a lot about the legal system, as if I needed to know that. I met lots of really interesting people, and I'm really glad I did it. I would, I don't know if I'd do it again at my age, Yeah, yeah. but I would do it again. And I encourage others to do it, but I don't know a lot of people who have done this. No, do I don't either. No, no, uh, maybe one other person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that in the beginning, child molesters and their support system were terrified that we would all step forward and sue, but we didn't. Yeah. Because it's really scary to do that. It is. I I can't even imagine how scary it must have been. It was. To face off in court where potentially they could find for the abuser. They could, but my case was corroborated. Yes, yes, yes. I had to find a good judge, which I did. Someone who wasn't biased. So yeah. I mean, it worked out really well. Yeah. But just the idea that potentially, I mean, I'm so glad that it was corroborated and that you were able to walk away from the trial feeling vindicated and heard. But yeah, that would be, to me, that sounds terrifying. Even just to speak up. I mean, I've gotten good at talking about being a survivor and owning my story. And I have not checked in with other family members to say, like, do you believe me or not? But I feel like most of my family believes me. You know, I don't really want to know if they don't, (laughs) honestly. I know the feeling, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so... I'm curious, like the process of writing the book, I know just I journal, I write, like I know sometimes it can be difficult to go back to what happened and have to, and I know you don't go into super great detail about what happened. It's more about your court process, it feels like your book, but how was that for you to have to revisit that time in your life? At the time, it was doable. I don't think it would be doable now because I I feel things more than I used to. Okay, I, I don't block them out like I used to, like I had to. Yeah. It was difficult, but I was a little bit dissociated, dissociated so I could do it. 
Yeah, yeah. And I felt strongly that it needed to be done because mm -hmm. what my father did was wrong. Yeah. It was a very simple decision. Mm -hmm. And that dissociative part sort of helped you make it happen. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. And I, for what is worth it, part one, which is about my story, I edited it 18 times. Wow. Yeah. And part two, what I did was I had to, my focus there was to getting, was getting things in order mm -hmm. in a way that made sense to a reader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, and I haven't, I have to admit, I have not read the whole book, but it seems like you really tried very hard to bring to light the inconsistencies, the errors in the false reporting narrative, like by bringing light to the inconsistencies and Elizabeth Loftus's scientific study and all of those things. Is that right? What I did was try to bring light to it and with also without attacking her or without getting angry. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want my book to be about getting angry. And mm -hmm. people can get angry in their own way. And I'm not I'm not going to lead them. I'm just mm -hmm. going to tell them what happened as best I can and document it as best mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. And I know that since since I started doing this, I've been gaslighted by Loftus probably a few times, but I still don't resort to gaslighting in return because it's just not valid. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do when you don't have any facts. You gaslight someone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But a lot of denial for stories for people. I feel like the harm that rippled out from the headlines from her story or her research it hurts me to think of the harm that was done for the people who actually have real yes. corroborated known memories of abuse it caused us to deny the memories of other people yes not me but everyone else this gave them the right and it was pretty interesting because after the trial, I was like, but, but my case is corroborated. And there was, well, no, we, no, it's false memories. They were just so confident. It was amazing. I mean, I think that what they, well, they spent $7 million on their PR and it showed. They did mm. such a good job with PR. Just really, really good. Mm. Yeah. And it worked because people wanted it to work. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where people are now. I kind of think we're in just slightly beyond me too. We're still into discovering that institutions support child molesters. And if I were a child molester, I think I'd go into the Catholic Church and become join the priesthood because that they make it so easy for priests to molest true. children. No offense, no offense. Okay. No, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done a good job of uh, hiding or keeping them quiet or keeping it quiet, the abuse. Yes. Mm -hmm. They have. It's, I have their I, uh, income tax forms. And let's see, the second or third year was the highest that they spent. It was $800,000. And then 
it kept spending until about 2000 and then their uh, expenses started declining either because they couldn't get people to donate or because they didn't need to do that anymore the catholic church mm -hmm. wow yeah crazy well uh, i mean the people that spent the money were the uh, accused parents ah yeah got it. And one thing that was interesting is that there's a lot of women who, and there were a lot of women in leadership positions in the FSF. Uh, like the head, the chair was female, Loftus, a lot of their chair positions in states were held by women. And I think it's because the women were essentially acting as traffickers, like my mother knew he was doing it but she had the nice house so she kept quiet so they were yeah. trafficked we were trafficked yeah i think yeah yeah, yeah. way well i just want to say that i really appreciate that you wrote the book and told your story and shed some light on the myth of false memories because i feel like that's really really important for survivors and even if they don't go to court themselves, like to just validate that their memories are real. Yes. Yeah. They're real. If you had a piece of wisdom that you wanted to share with listeners, what might that be? It would be tell. Mm. Tell someone. Yeah. It's when you tell someone, it opens up freedom for you. And maybe they'll say, oh, I read about false memories like yours. That's whatever. But still tell, tell someone, tell a friend, um, tell someone. Yeah. It's freeing, I can guarantee. Well, it definitely gives you more power in the story. Yes, and freeing too. But yeah, that silence, keeping it silence just leaves you, yeah, powerless. Yeah, a crime was committed against you. And it's okay to report a crime in theory. Yeah. So go ahead and report it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. See what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would add for my part that I believe when someone tells me a story, <laughs> I believe when people share with me, if they tell me, I believe it. I don't need evidence. Them sharing with me is that's enough. You know, I believe it too. And there was one case that I didn't believe it. And she wasn't sure of it. But all I can believe everyone else because I can hear it in the voice. Mm -hmm. I can hear the pain in their voice, the fear, the shame. I can hear it. Yeah. And for me, what the trial did was to take away the shame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing some of your story and uh, writing the book. How would people find you or find the book if they wanted to know more about it? Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's on Amazon. Just look for Lynn Crook. The first two words are false memories, but you can find it as Lynn Crook. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lynn, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate yours spending some time with us. 
Well, and thank you for your great questions, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated Lynn coming on the podcast today. I know that coming forth with accusations of abuse is not an easy thing to do. And she did it in a very public way by going to trial, by taking her case to court to sue her parents for damages. And at the time, there was a huge dialogue around false memories. There were psychologists who were basically saying that therapists were helping clients create out of thin air these memories. That research has since been debunked for the most part, but I think the false memory dialogue still exists. There are still people that hold that to be true, and it's not. I just appreciated Lynn's candor and openness about how the experience impacted her. And I know she shared, you know, you should tell people, I agree 100%. You don't have to go to court, but abuse when it's kept in the dark is just it keeps us stuck in the shame and the guilt and the, the trauma of it all. But you have to find a way to, or find the people to share it with that will hold that truth for you in trust and care and compassion. Thanks again for being a part of this conversation, for listening, for supporting the podcast. There are some things you can do if the podcast is important to you. You can leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's easy to do. I have a little video on my website if you don't know how to do it. And you can follow me and uh, share my newsletter with anybody who you think might be someone who could use some tips on moving through childhood trauma, managing being a highly sensitive person, and just being a woman in our time. I would love any shares you could give and shout outs about the newsletter and the podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the newsletter and you're not yet, you can go to elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up and sign up is all one word. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.